This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. This episode and every episode of Madison Story Slam is sponsored by Ale Asylum. This episode is also sponsored by Resolution Health Collaborative. Thank you, Ale Asylum, and thank you, Resolution, for believing in what we do. Hello and welcome once again to Madison Story Slam, the podcast where we hear amazing stories, true stories from people just like you. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be hearing stories from our September 2018 event, uh, and the theme that night was transformation. We had a bunch of great stories, uh, so you don't want to miss out. Um, You can actually see an entire live recording of it on YouTube right now if you want to. On this episode, we're just going to hear three of the stories from that night, and it's going to be fantastic. So... Uh, hey, I just want to let you know, our next Story Slam is actually October 20th. That's Saturday, October 20th at the Wilmar Center, as always. And, as always, we will be sponsored by Ale Asylum, so you'll want to come out for some great beer. The theme that night is Under Pressure, so come tell some great stories of times that you have felt like you were in the fire where you have felt like you have been put under pressure, whatever that may be. If you've got a story that somehow fits that theme, we want to hear it, and we want you to come tell it. And, you know, like I always say at the live events, the whole point of us doing Story Slam is to hear great stories. So if you have a good story or a great story that's not on theme, you can probably just talk to me, and I'll probably put you on. It's it's no big deal. Okay, so... October 20th, Saturday, October 20th, the Wilmar Center, under pressure. But here's the thing, guys. If you're a regular, you should know that every October, we do a costume contest. We've already got a bunch of great prizes lined up for our costume contest enterees. Enterers into our costume contest? I don't know. However you want to say that. Um, And here's how you enter. You come dressed up in a costume, but the only way you can enter is if you tell a story while in costume and the theme for the costume contest is classic rock so you have to come dressed up as one of your favorite classic rock artists and you can tell the story and that's how you get entered the judges will be my wife and i so it's me and ashley judging the costume contest as always we'll have judges for the stories and declare a winner there we've got some great prizes already i don't want to give them away yet all right, that's as much as I'll tell you about all that. You can find all the information on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Madison Story Slam. Also, um, no, no also. Up first on the... <laughs> guys, I'm discombobulated. Up first on this episode of Madison Story Slam, we've got a great story by a first-time storyteller named Nikki Nogani. She's wonderful. It was a great way to start out our Story Slam. So get ready. Here's Nikki together for Nikki Nogani. So, thank you. Okay, transformations. So, 
it took me a while to think of a story because when I think of transformations, I think of like Clark Kent going behind a building and emerging as Superman or my mom turning into the Hulk every time someone mentions Trump. And so it took a while because I feel like it's something that happens immediately and I am a very stagnant person and I pride myself on it. Like I have been pretty much this like kind of high energy, pretty awkward person since about like the first grade. And the only person who probably beats me in terms of like not changing over time is my grandmother. And my mom's mom is just like a rock. Like she has been in my memory the same person forever. And probably before I was born. Like I can only imagine her as this person. And she's my favorite. Like I know I shouldn't have a favorite grandparent, but she always was. And my other grandmother knew this to the point where like when we would go visit Iran once a year, my both my grandmothers were there and they both lived in different cities and we had one grandmother, my mom's mom, my favorite, who we spent more time with, and the other one who we only spent a week with. And the other one would literally, like, d like she tried everything to get us to stay longer because she knew that we liked the other grandmother more. So it got to the point where she would buy, like, hundreds of Tom and Jerry CDs to try and get us to, like, sit at home, and, like, she got to be with us. And she even tried, like, animals. Like, we own several sheep bunnies and ducks in my lifetime just because she was like that desperate <laughs> and this other grandma always won and I think it's because she has this philosophy uh, where she says I'm never gonna ask for your time if you want me you'll come to me and just something about that kind of liberty in a family that was always equating love with being very control not controlling but very tight and close it was just like a breath of fresh air and I loved it and this grandmother, my mom's parents specifically, lived a very nomadic lifestyle for many years. They had all of their children move out of Iran for obvious reasons. And so starting, they, they themselves were situated kind of everywhere where they would spend a few months at a time in Iran and then start their travels in about September and go spend a month with one kid and two months with the other and just kind of travel the world and end up right back in Iran exactly when we would go visit them. So it was really interesting. Um, and a few years ago, my grandfather was diagnosed with Parkinson's and it was this very slow transition into a very stagnant lifestyle for him, like very much stationary kind of person already. He loved watching movies and stuff, but suddenly it was like a difference between him choosing to do that and him having to do that. And then it all kind of climaxed when he got this back surgery. And after the surgery, something just went wrong and he ended up having to move somewhere for a long time. And it ended up being Madison. So we got them and I was super excited because my favorite grandma was now in the same city as me for a long period of time and that was awesome. Um, but having this grandparent kind of slowly withering away with this Parkinson's was really tough to see, but my grandma was always this very positive person, again, really making the transition easier. And so I had no problem when I left about a year ago to live abroad. And I came back recently. Uh, I don't think that much has changed. Like, I wear better shoes now, but <laughs> for the most part, like I said, very stationary person, so pride myself on not transforming all that much. But my grandmother, 
actually changed a lot, which was really interesting for me because I had always assumed it would be my grandfather to the point where I was ready to book a ticket in case something went wrong. And to come back into this life that I'd known and see this person who I'd always thought of as my rock be so different was very uncomfortable for me. She suddenly, she was not necessarily a chubby grandma, but she was fluffy. <laughs> I loved her for it, and suddenly she, throughout the year that I was gone, had developed this dementia and this memory loss, and so she would forget to eat and had lost a ton of weight. Her hair started kind of, she used to have curls just like mine, which I also loved because everyone would say that we looked the same, and I thought she was the prettier grandma, so I was like, I'm going to look fantastic in a few years. <laughs> and so I suddenly she was just frizzy everywhere, <laughs> and white hair, there were all of a sudden all these wrinkles I'd never noticed, and now my life too has changed because I see how much help she now requires, and she was always the one who was helping others. And I think the thing about transformations then is not necessarily the time period, because for me, I'd always spent, just have had gaps of my life where I wouldn't see people for a year, and I would see them change, but I never acknowledged it. I think it's just the potential of for change that we have in us. So. Although my grandfather was the one with Parkinson's, the thing about having, I guess, a spouse or a family member with a sort of disease that you know is getting worse is that, well, you know the trajectory. So we never even saw the dementia coming in. And so transformations, I don't know which is better. I wish she hadn't changed, but also it's really interesting to see what it's like to have someone who never needed any help now asking for it to the point where she no longer can say, you come to me when you're ready. It's become more of a, I need you, so please come now. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Our next storyteller is gonna be great as well. Heather, have you told the story here before? No. All right, our next storyteller has never told the story here before. She's much more sure of it, Nikki. Um, and, but again, I'm always expecting great things, so please put your hands together for Heather Andreessen. <laughs> Clap one more time for Heather. <laughs> I'm a short one, gotta bring it in. <laughs> All right, so not only have I never told a story here, I've never been here before. So check out the lady balls on me, just saying. Um, my story is not quite as sweet as the former one, although it is a downer. So there's that. Um, just a content warning, a dog does get hurt in the story. So if you don't like that, maybe, you know, scroll through Facebook. Um, so my story. When I was young pup in Mississippi, I was in kindergarten, six years old, just as uh, cheeky and delightful as you see me here. Um, my brother, who is 18 years older than me, uh, would always take me on the weekends, you know, give my parents a break. They were older parents, so they didn't need a little six-year-old running around their heels and, while they were trying to watch Matlock, basically. So my brother took me to his house in Alabama, 
And every weekend, he would rent me whatever movie I wanted. It was without fail, Rainbow Bride and the Star Stealer. I mean, come on, classic. So he rented Pet Cemetery. His wife rented The Terminator. Uh, the 80s. So we get back to his house. I'm eating my little corn dog and fries, watching Rainbow Bright. Perfect. Then we get to the Terminator. I really didn't need to see the future uh, governor's penis, but hey, at six, you got to learn sometime. Then the tragic moment came. Well, the first one. My brother put in Pet Cemetery. And I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but uh, it's really not appropriate for a six-year-old. 103 minutes later, my life was changed. <laughs> uh, gosh. So my dad came and picked me up the next day, on, or two days later on Sunday. My dad was not the best kind of father in the world. Uh, he was kind of abusive and kind of a dick. So, I mean, it's funny he was a dick, come on. So, um, he picked me up, we get to our house. We lived out in the country. Whatever you're thinking Mississippi looks like, you got it. That's where I lived. So, we are in the middle of Mississippi and driving in this uh, gravel road and we get to the, close to our driveway and all of a sudden there's this thud And I thought that we were going to die, because I was six. And it was a scary sound. And then I hear this wild keening, just utter pain. I could hear it. It was terrible. I start sobbing immediately. I don't even know what happened. My dad gets out of the pickup truck. He walks around to my side, where he had hit whatever he had hit. He picks up this animal off the ground. And I can see it from the window. I mean, he's feet away from me. And it's my dog, Princess. He'd run over my dog. He threw her in the ditch. Remember, I told you he's a dick. He throws her in the ditch, gets back in the truck, tells me to stop crying, and we go home. I spent the night in my room, didn't eat dinner, cried myself to sleep. Very sad six-year-old Heather. So I get up the next day for school. My mom gets me ready. She sends me down our very long driveway. It was literally an eighth of a mile long. This is important later. She tells me she loves me, she's sorry about Princess, and that when I get home, she'll make cookies with me. She was in nursing school at this time, so she wanted to make sure that um, she got a nap in before she had to go to school. So she sent me off to wait for the bus, because again, it's the 80s, y'all. You can send your kids an eighth of a mile down and wait, let them stand there by themselves when they're six. And she locks the door behind me so she can nap. I walk slowly down our driveway, get to the end, I'm down there kicking rocks, twirling around, making my backpack do that centrifuge thing. Y'all know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I fall down because I spun a little too long, and I hear this kind of yip, and I look over, and again, I'm sprawled out in the middle of our dirt driveway on my butt, a little six-year-old. 
And I look behind me, and it's Princess. She is mangled beyond belief, and she is missing an eye. I immediately start screaming. Mama, 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 pet cemetery, pet cemetery, mama, pet cemetery. I run all the way that one eighth of a mile, ran. Fastest I've ever run in my life. I probably will never run that fast again. Y'all see me, I am no Flojo, all right? So I get up to our trailer. I start beating on the back of the door because my mom had locked me out. She comes to the door, she's like, what is wrong? She thought that like some man had come and tried to touch me in my bikini places. No, it's just my dead dog back from the dead. So she's like, what, Heather, Heather, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then she sees Princess running behind me because she thought we were playing a game. So of course she ran after me the entire one eighth of a mile up our driveway and is now jumping up on me, trying to get me to love her. Poor baby. But again, traumatized six-year-old. My mom sees the dog, freaks out, pulls me inside, and is like, I don't know what to do. And I had never heard my mom say, I don't know what to do. I mean, can you imagine? You're in kindergarten. You've never heard your parents say that. They know everything. Not that day. So my mom calls my dad. It's maybe 7.30 in the morning. He's been at work about four hours. So on his lunch, he calls my brother-in-law. Um, like I said, I'm the youngest, and my eldest brother is 18 years older than me. Uh, the next one's 16, the next one 10. I'm definitely the baby. They're all married by the time I was six. So he calls my brother-in-law, and <laughs> they come over after work. I stayed inside all day with my mom. Neither of us went to school. They come and get Princess to take care of her because they don't want her to suffer. And what they do is they take her to my brother's house because they live way further in the country than we do. And they own 40 lands, 40 acres of land of a forest. So they were going to take her in the woods and shoot her because um, it's the 80s and the country. And you don't take your animals to the vet to have them euthanized. They take her away, and about two weeks later, I go back to my brother Johnny's house for another weekend trip and more Rainbow Bright. We get over there, I get out of my brother's truck, and there's a dog jumping up on me, and I'm like, oh my God, it's Richie, which is my brother's little chihuahua. So I was like, I reached down to pet Richie, and it's not Richie, it's Princess. She's still missing an eye, y'all. They had taken this dog out in the woods, shot her point blank in the head, and left her there, because they thought she was dead. How does this happen? <laughs> so of course, I start screeching, Pet Cemetery, Pet Cemetery, Johnny, please, Pet Cemetery. I jump in the pickup bed of his truck. I'm still not sure how I did it. I swear I leaped like this. <sighs> God. So again, Johnny calls my brother-in-law and he's like, come on, we gotta go take care of the dog again. So they shoot her again, point blank in the woods. The dog does not come back to where I see her, but 
when I was about in ninth grade, my sister mentioned to my brother Johnny, she said, Johnny, I haven't seen Princess lately, have you? While I was there. And of course, you know, I'm in the eighth or ninth grade, 14, 15. I'm like, what'd you say? Princess what? And they tell me that all these years, Princess has been living in their woods despite them shooting her point blank twice. They bring her food. They made her like a little shelter. She just lives in the woods, y'all. So this dog lived a good long life because my parents got Princess before they had me. She had to have been like 18 when she died. So basically what I'm trying to say is there were a lot of transformations happening in this story. Sometimes there's a zombie dog. Sometimes you're scarred for life. <laughs> but either way, um, much like our first storyteller said, you can't stay stagnant. You have to keep changing, and transformation is part of that. Thank you. Resolution Health Collaborative is an established massage therapy clinic in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, specializing in custom massages. Their therapeutic approach is ideal for student athletes, traveling professionals, top performers, and anyone who needs their body and mind to be at peak condition. The therapist at Resolution will evaluate your muscle response and select the best technique for your tailored massage. Clients often experience relief from acute pain after one session and relief from chronic pain after three sessions. Packages for ongoing support are available at a discounted rate. At Resolution Health Collaborative, you can experience a therapeutic massage customized to bring relief from your acute and chronic pain. With tons of services to choose from, you can find peace of mind and peace of body from Resolution Health Collaborative. They've been a big part in what we do at Madison Story Slam, so you should probably go check them out. And if you do, and you mention Madison Story Slam, you can get a discount on your first appointment. Call 608-443-7048 to schedule your first appointment today. Thank you, Resolution, for believing in what we do. Now, back to some stories. Our next storyteller is a wonderful stand-up comedian here in Madison. You can often find him at the Comedy Club on State. He runs a thing called Glib Showcases, Bittersweet, tons of awesome stuff. Last night, I think he was at the cabaret, I think. I think it was last night. Um, he's told so many good stories here. Uh, some of the most artfully funny, yet endearing, emotional stories I've ever heard here at Madison Story Slam. So you're in for a treat, I hope. No pressure, Tyson. Please put your hands together for Tyson Purcell. Thank you, Adam. Uh, all right, guys, uh, I'm gonna tell you a story that's kind of a long time in development uh, in the aspect of, uh, I don't think I could have told this story today had not something happened even as little as a week ago, or maybe a week and a half ago. Um, I'm gonna start off kind of like when I was a kid, so when, when I was a kid, you know, you hit puberty and 
your body changes and your mind changes. And one of the things that changed for me was uh, I started getting depressed and I didn't really realize it, like what that actually meant. So it's when the kind of the depression sort of set in and something kind of changed in my brain. And I think that like when we talk about depression, sometimes we focus on like, oh, it's sad and uh, not being able to get out of bed and stuff like that. But for me, it's just like this trait that I think it's trying to make me a better person because it doesn't really allow me to forgive myself for anything. So I tend to kind of look at my life uh, as a like as something to be improved upon, I guess. Like it's not quite good enough for some reason. One of the ways I like to think about it is... Uh, like climate change deniers. Like you know that, that you can show them the science and the facts and the truth about, yeah, climate change is a thing that's happening. And then they tell you, yeah, well, it's still cold in the wintertime. They like, they just don't really feel it. Uh, that's the kind of the way that I am with my self-worth. Like I know on paper that there's a lot of good about me and that my life has value. Like, I'm not gonna tell someone, no, my life is worthless, because I know it's not true. But at the same time, I don't really feel it. So, when, it was probably about somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago, and some of you have probably heard me tell stories here before, and may know that, like, when I was growing up, my dad, you know, while he was in the home, he and I weren't really close. And I kind of had a chip on my shoulder about it, but when, we, when I got to be legal drinking age and I could go to the bar and kind of see him where he was meant to be, like that was his natural habitat, I got to see who my dad really was, and it was great. So I, I feel like I met my dad at the bottom of a pint glass, and I don't mean that in a terrible way at all. Like, that's where we got to bond, and I really got to know, like, the, like the charismatic, helpful person that he really was. So one night we were out drinking, and we got a pitcher of beer, and we filled up our pint glasses, and we set them in front of each other, and then we raced to the bottom. And uh, it was the first time I ever beat my dad to the bottom of a pint glass. So we both slammed, and I got it done in three seconds, and he got it done in three and a half. And he turned to me and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, you're the greatest thing I've ever done. I was like, you really like to drink. I mean, like that's kind of what was in, in my head. Like I think he was trying to tell me he loved me and like that's what I kind of took away from it. But like, it was like, okay, that's nice. It's nice that you got to say that to me because he wouldn't really tell me he loved me when I was growing up. He was just that kind of a man. He just couldn't say those sort of things. So he told me that and it just kind of stuck in the back of my head. So that compliment he said to me was just what it was for like 15 or 20 years up until about a week and a half ago on the first day of school. Took my daughter, first day of fourth grade. She's nine and a half, dropped her off, or like, well, met her there, actually. Her mom took her to school. And, uh, 
you know, we take the pictures of the first day of school, and she's sitting there smiling, and her mom and I have been divorced for a number of years, but it was at that moment I had this kind of bittersweet pain, kind of like, I just wanted to reach out and grab the mother of my child and give her a hug and be like, wow, we, re we really created someone special. Like my daughter is a delight. She is added to the world because she's funny and she's caring. She's smart. And she makes the world a better place. And I was just like, oh my God, she's so amazing. And these words echoed inside my mind. You're the best thing I've ever done. And it was at that moment where that thing my dad said to me at the bar at the bottom of a pint glass was transformed. And I finally understood what he meant. The facts are I'm probably a decent person. I can share things with people. I'm a good friend. I try to make the world a better place. And while I look in the mirror, and I don't feel it when I look at myself, boy, do I wish I could love myself the way my dad loved me. And it transformed how I thought about myself. Now, I don't think that I'm ever going to be able to kind of look at myself the way that he saw me. Because we're all just built the way that we're built. Sometimes when it comes to depression, you're just, you'll punish yourself if you're like, if you tell people, yeah, I'm fine, and then they say things like, oh, just fine. No, fine is good for me. But that week ago, when what my dad said 15 or 20 years ago was transformed, it made me think differently. And boy, I sure do hope I can love myself the way my dad did someday. Thanks. Hey, that's going to do it today on Madison Story Slam, the podcast where you get to hear great stories told from real people just like you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You should uh, look for more episodes soon from the same event. The theme was transformation. It was from our September 2018 event. We're glad that you listened into this one. Hey, if you could do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple Podcast app. And subscribe. That helps a ton. All of those things help a ton. Uh, when you leave a rating and a review, it helps other people find the podcast. And it helps me know what you're enjoying, maybe what you're not enjoying, what you'd like to see more. Okay, our next Story Slam is Saturday, October 20th at the Wilmar Center. It's going to be a great time. The theme is under pressure, so some, come tell some great stories about the times that you have felt the pressure, you've been under the fire, under the magnifying glass, all that kind of stuff. 
And as always, if you've got a great story that you want to tell that's not on theme, we want to hear stories. That's the point why we're there. And so you can come talk to me and find that out. Also, we have a costume contest going on for that night. The theme for the costume contest is classic rock. Come dressed up as your favorite classic rock artist. It's going to be a great time, great prizes. And as always, I love you.